So hey out there, once again, to all of our Cotton Gang, from the Carolinas to California and all points in between, we want to welcome you to another episode of The Cotton Companion, which is our bi-weekly conversation between the editors and friends of Cotton Grower Magazine. My name is Beck Barnes, I'm an editor here at Cotton Grower, and I'm here once again with my own Cotton Companion, Mr. Jim Stedman. Hello, Jim. Hey, Beck. How are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. We, um... As you know, Jim, the last time we potted, uh, you know, things were bright and wonderful here in the cotton grower offices. My old Miss Revs had gotten off to a great start. Your UT Vols had done the same. It's a good thing you can't see me shaking my head right That's now. That's right. That's right. Today, we, today is October 5, and gang, we're just going to skip right past any football small talk for the sake of our sanity here in the cotton grower offices so instead we want to do as we always do we want to drop some cotton industry knowledge on you as you uh as y'all are de- defoliating excuse me as you guys are defoliating out there or possibly harvesting or possibly done harvesting and gearing up for the off season um we're going to begin as we always do uh with jim leading us in a brief discussion uh, some interesting news items uh, that have come about over the past couple of weeks here in the cotton market. And then after that, we're going to have uh, something that I think is a really interesting conversation. We've brought in a longtime friend of the of the magazine, of Cotton Grower in general, uh, Dr. O.A. Cleveland, and he is going to discuss with us on the topic of fiber quality and specifically the value of it. Um, he's a long, like I say, he's a longtime market analyst, and he believes that, uh, or analyst rather, and he believes that growers should be earning more for the high-quality fiber that they are delivering to the world market right now. So we're going to explore that angle. Again, I think it's really interesting, and uh, you won't want to miss it. It'll be uh, one of our later segments here. So we got a great show lined up for you today. As always, we sincerely thank you for joining us, and we will be right back following this quick break. Cotton Grower Magazine has the honor of saluting exceptional sacrifice and contribution to the cotton industry through our annual Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award. Since 1970, Cotton Grower has handed out this distinguished honor to one individual who demonstrates tireless dedication to the cotton industry through involvement, innovation, and leadership in those issues that have a large impact on U.S. cotton as a whole. Achievement Award winners are chosen after extensive research and thoughtful input from around the industry. Cotton Grower offers sincere gratitude to Case IH and to Delta Pine for sponsoring the Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award. In joining the effort to recognize and honor industry leaders, these companies demonstrate their devotion to the cotton industry and their desire to see growers succeed. Well, we're back from the break and uh, looking at, the, at at news items or, or things that are pertaining to the cotton industry, <clears throat> excuse me, over the last couple of weeks, uh, I think the fact that, that uh, harvest time, defoliation time, the, the late season activities in the field have really, uh, really take precedence over, uh, over anything else that seems to be happening in the market. But there are a couple things that are going on and we, uh, we want to talk about those very briefly just to acknowledge some things. Uh, the first comes out of uh, Cotton Incorporated and uh, also our friends at the Cotton Board. Uh, they named recently the, uh, the honorees for the 2005, 2015 class of the Cotton Research and Promotion Hall of Fame that Cotton Incorporated uh, established last year. 
there's going to be some familiar names in that, depending on where, where in the country you are located. Uh, those new Hall of Fame members are Dr. Fred Borland, uh, a longtime cotton breeder and researcher out of Arkansas and a good friend of Cotton Grower Magazine. Uh, David Burns out of North Carolina. Uh, David was the uh, Cotton Board Chairman for uh, during the integration or adding uh, importers to the uh, to the Cotton Board, and that was a significant achievement at that point. Uh, Jim Hansen out of California uh, is the only person who's been both Chairman of the Cotton Incorporated Board of Directors and Chairman of the Cotton Board, and uh, and also takes a, a pretty good leadership position in California, serving as Chairman of Supima and a longtime board member of the California Cotton Growers and Jenners Association. Uh, the fourth recipient, or fourth honoree, is Dr. Preston Sasser uh, out of North Carolina. Uh, he's, he's widely regarded as one of the industry's leading research experts. Uh, he served as Senior Vice President and Managing Director of Cotton Incorporated's Research Division for several years, basically leading research that addre addressed health issues in cotton textile processing, and oversaw the development and implementation of, of some of the cotton testing technology that we're uh, that the industry is blessed to work with these days. And uh, last but not least, the fifth honoree is Hugh Somerville out of Alabama. Uh, he was Cotton Incorporated chairman. Uh, really and truly, I think, uh, from what I understand, got the uh, made the board or, or ushered in a period where the board was uh, a little more active than possibly in years past and also kind of built that strong relationship that's there between the Cotton Board and Cotton Incorporated that, uh, that still exists today. So congratulations to those five gentlemen. They will all be formally inducted uh, in December during the joint Cotton Incorporated Cotton Board annual meeting. So watch, uh, watch Cotton Grower Magazine for more information on that. Uh, second comes from our friends over at the National Cotton Council. Uh, the International Center for Trade and Sustainable Development uh, recently issued a paper entitled The 2014 Farm Bill and Its Effects on the World Market. Now they described this paper uh, as an impartial evidence-based assessment of, uh, of things that uh, different plans, different programs from the 2014 Farm Bill uh, with a significant focus on crop insurance including the Stacks program that was uh, put in place for cotton. Uh, needless to say, uh, the folks at National Cotton Council uh, are pointing out pretty quickly that the paper is very misleading. It doesn't capture the realities of today's cotton market or global cotton policies, and that cotton growers in the U.S. generally tend to respond more to market signals rather than government programs when they're making their planning decisions. Uh, Dr. Gary Adams, who's president and CEO at the council, uh, points out that uh, the report fails to accurately model current cotton policies. It imposes crop insurance purchase decisions on a model that are not in line with historical experience and inflates the impacts of the program by overestimating expected benefits from insurance. Uh, it also, they also say the, the paper misrepresented the marketing loan program by failing to incorporate modifications of the Upland Cotton Marketing Loan that was included in the 2014 Farm Bill. So uh, once again, uh, organizations that, uh, that are taking a shot at the, uh, at the cotton industry, or in this case, taking a shot probably at all of U.S. agriculture, uh, but the National Cotton Council is certainly not gonna, not gonna sit back and, and let that happen without, uh, 
without a fight. So Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's worth uh, giving an extra, I don't want to say pat on the back, but at least recognizing <laughs> uh, people like Gary Adams and and the good folks down there at the council for being out in front, having their finger on the pulse of the industry, being out in front of, you know, a, 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 damaging, a damaging, largely false, for lack of a better term, uh, report that comes out like that. You know, uh, Gary himself is still relatively new to the position, but he he had been there at the council long enough to know, you know, this is the type of thing that the council wants to be out in front of and wants to be challenging from the jump. So good on those guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the next uh, next subject I want to touch on is something, uh, we're going back to the boll weevil eradication program. Uh, generally, I think the vast majority of cotton growers now don't even consider the boll weevil an, an issue at this point. We'd, uh, it has been successfully eradicated throughout the majority of the cotton belt. Uh, but a couple of news items out of Texas and out of Arkansas in the last few days, uh, basically saying that the battle is still going on, obviously, in Texas, down in the lower Rio Grande Valley. But that's really the last area of, of the U.S. where they're still, uh, still working on the eradication program. Uh, the Texas Commissioner of Agriculture uh, announced la- a couple weeks ago that boll weevil basically has been now eradicated in all five regions of the West Texas maintenance area of the state's boll weevil eradication program. It has been functionally eradicated in the northern backlands, southern backlands, upper coastal bend, and south Texas winter garden zones. And that just leaves a 10-county area down in the Rio, lower Rio Grande Valley zone that is still be listed as being under active eradication. Now, that's, this, that's pretty good progress for a state uh, that, uh, that actually, I think, came, came a little bit late into the eradication program. Uh, progress, although they, they say progress in the, in the Rio Grande Valley is, uh, they are making progress, uh, but they are, because they sit on the Mexican border, and as we all know, boll weevils don't, uh, don't basically recognize state or country borders when uh, when they come to them. Uh, you're still dealing with with a, uh, a program or lack of program out of Mexico. Uh, also dealing with uh, with other issues that you would find along the border such as border violence, uh, some possible inadequate funding on the Mexican side. Uh, so but basically to say that we've got boll weevils down to a 10 county area uh, in the U.S. is uh, is a pretty telling, pretty telling story, and good for Texas for uh, for making progress on that. Now, out of Arkansas today, actually comes news that the uh, Arkansas Boll Weevil Eradication Foundation, which was put in place in 1997 to start the eradication program in that state, has made its final payment on all of the debts incurred during those Boll Weevil eradication efforts. And they have basically paid the remaining balance of $2 million owed to USDA back to USDA three years ahead of their scheduled maturity date. Um, so that's, uh, that's been a, a great story. So not only is Arkansas boll weevil free, they are also debt free at this point in terms of that program. So congratulations to Arkansas and the, and the folks who have been running that program over there. And just one last comment, and I think we'd be remiss if, if we didn't say something about it. Uh, our thoughts go out to all the, the uh, to cotton growers and, and other farmers and everyone, quite honestly, in North and South Carolina right now because of the uh, prolonged rainfall, because of the flooding due to, uh, to the hurricane, 
and other converging weather fronts. Uh, it's going to be a tough row for, our, for agriculture at this point uh, to finish the season out in some of those states. In fact, word today that, uh, that the rainy spell that's hit North Carolina for more than a week uh, is uh, the cotton specialists over there are starting to see seed sprouting in the open bowls. Uh, it's been wet, it's been warm, uh, and it's going to take some really dry, hot conditions to, uh, to try to bring that crop uh, or that condition back under, uh, under control. So uh, our thoughts for those folks, uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, we always seem to run into something right around harvest time in some part of the country. So uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed that this is, uh, this is as bad as it gets for the remainder of the season. Absolutely, absolutely. We've got them in our thoughts. Uh, Jim, before we wrap up our news segment here, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't introduce a special project that we are just embarking on here at Cotton Grower. We are introducing, starting to get the word out on the Cotton Grower Text and Expert campaign, which we are implementing with support from our friends at BASF. Um, the idea is very simple. The idea is exactly what Cotton Grower Magazine should be about. We are uh, providing you guys with a with a number that you can text. It's very simple to remember. It's 313131. So 31 three times. To uh, you, you text the word cotton to that number, you'll receive a response text basically saying you've got our attention, send us your question. And at that point, text your question. It's just what the uh, what the title of the program implies. Text your question to an expert. You can even include a, a photo to help illustrate your problem. Anything agronomically you got going on on the farm out there, if it's a weed, if it's a bug, if it's a humidity or, or rather a, a rainfall issue, anything under the sun, shoot it to us. We will be reviewing the questions that we get in, we being myself and Jim here, and uh, each month we're going to select one to appear in that the next issue of Cotton Grower Magazine. And we are going to reach out to the extension or on occasion consult an expert who would have the who could be able to provide the best answer, you know, who's most suited to answer that question that you pose to us. And uh, they will provide a response in the pages of the magazine. Uh, we could also feature some of your questions here on the podcast. Uh, online and any of our platforms um, that we provide out there. there. Our friends at BASF will also be providing uh, an agronomist from in-house there at BASF to chime in uh, in order to cater to whatever problem you may be having there. You will also, when you submit your question, be, be sent a link to uh, go enter a, a small bit of information about yourself into our prize drawing contest that we'll do each month. It's a prize drawing for, I believe, $100. I believe so. Provided by BASF. Um, so it's a neat way. I mean, it's, an, it's a win-win situation. You are entering into a contest to win a cash prize. You are also, you know, uh, asking a question, reaching out, getting the ear of an extension expert in your area to help not only you on your farm, but a lot of times, to be sure, when Jim and I are mining the questions that, selecting one for the issue we're picking one that we feel like a lot of you growers out there are dealing with we want to help as many of you as possible um, as we you know look forward to 2016 and wrap up 2015 so you're doing yourself a favor you're doing your industry a favor and you are entering to win a nice cash prize so keep us in mind it's the cotton grower text and expert campaign sponsored by BASF to enter all you do is text the word cotton 
to the number 313131, and you'll get going from there. We look forward to fielding uh, some of the some of the questions that you guys are experiencing out there on your farm. So just wanted to put the bug in your ear on that. That will be something going on throughout the uh, next several months. So keep an eye out in the magazine, online, and here in the podcast for the Text and Expert campaign. That said, we want to put the brakes on the conversation there. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking fiber quality, and more specifically, we're going to be talking uh, economic relief for some of you growers out there in the face of these poor cotton prices. We want to um, examine if we could be getting more for the uh, good quality that we are providing to the world. So stick with us. We'll be back right after this break. Okay, I am sitting here with, actually I'm not sitting here with, I am speaking with Dr. O.A. Cleveland. He is a professor emeritus of economics there at Mississippi State University, and he is a longtime respected cotton market analyst. I know many of you know O.A. Uh, We lean on him often for many of our various events that we put on, and uh, we're happy to have him today. He is actually out in Silicon Valley, of all places, and he is Skyping in to speak with us. So welcome, O.A. Well, thank you again. It's always my pleasure. Very good, very good. We're happy to have you. Um, just to dive right in, O.A., you and I spoke maybe a couple of weeks ago, and you were talking to me about the global market for cotton uh, and the the kind of uh, unique aspect of the fiber quality that American producers are bringing to this cotton market right now. And you kind of have been stumping for this idea that they could be getting more, be getting a better true market value for the quality that they are bringing to the market than what they are currently uh, receiving. Can you kind of expand on that and, and explain to me, as I told you, just an old Ole Miss journalism grad who needs you to talk real slow when you when you do it. But explain to me what you meant by that, please. Well, having grown up in Florida, it's difficult to do anything slow. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to throw. It. Uh, of course, A and M took care of me this weekend. Uh, but uh, uh, first, let me just say I'm not throwing stones at anyone or any group or any institution. There are none to be thrown. It is just simply an ever-changing cotton world, an ever-changing cotton marketing world. And we have reached a new plateau, if I may say, or a new beginning, uh, such that the seed companies have delivered to the grower uh, a set of varieties that that have increased the length, uh, strength, don't want to say quality, the, the uh, color grades, but they've in, they, they've they they have increased the the quality characteristics of cotton that is now being produced on what we might say a typical uh, farm in the United States. Uh, the the it was stronger, and we tend to get stronger over time, but we're noticeably stronger now. The the, the the strength of the fiber, we're without question longer. The staple length is longer, uh, and we're seeing much higher qualities than we used to see. The the old perfect cow in the industry, if I may, was a strict low milling inch and a sixteen. 
in other words, of uh, grade 41, staple link 34. Uh, and that is the base grade of the New York uh, futures market, or the ICE as we call it now. Uh, and, and when we see a futures contract quoted, it's quoted based strictly on million inch and 16. Now, of course, we've added uh, the, since that came on board many, many years ago, several decades ago, we have the leaf grade now in there. So 414434 34, uh, is, is the base, uh, what used to be called the perfect cow. But today, we're delivering 31s on a routine basis. Uh, quality 31 middlings and strict middlings, 21s, uh, as opposed to the strict low middling. And, of course, the market is asking for this. The Liverpool, the A index, has been a strict, uh, has been a middling forever, uh, a 31 as opposed to a 41. And when some of the Australian genetics were introduced in the U.S. and various seed uh, uh, components and uh, qualities, genes, and uh, other others, other varieties came online as well. Uh, we began to see this preponderance now of 31s that we see typically and routinely, uh, quality grade 31. But we were still seeing a lot of 34s. We began to see some 35 staple links. We began to see some 36 staple links. And we just really thought we'd hit the grand slam home run when we started seeing a lot of 36s. But now, with what uh, the, the seed companies are bringing to us now, a 38, a 37, a 39 staple link. We have 40 staple links this year. Uh, I personally have not run across any 41s, but I'm sure they're out there. Now, they're not many, but they're out there. Uh, so that's the, that's the grade and staple length of the cotton we're seeing now. And now let's go back to how the payment system works, if we may. Well, everything tends to rotate off the... Uh, CCC loan schedule, and the loan schedule, as good as it is, as wonderful as we like it, has to be updated on a routine basis. There is some part of the part of the routine calls for updating, but also uh, it's a slow process where we bring in moving averages, and it takes time to get the, the, the real quality differences in there. Uh, additionally, we use, we quote daily spot quotations, which has been a very important part of the world, the U.S. cotton industry, for, for decades. Uh, and it, too, has overgone changes and continually makes changes. Those people are very good, uh, and we have always appreciate what they do. But they have to make changes, and it's time for them to make changes. Uh, they're not resisting this, but like everyone else in the cotton marketing system, they're kind of... Kind of, kind of knocking on their own heads, and whereas we discuss what do we do, and for example, some of the things we're seeing now, whereas growers have a 39 staple length cotton, there's no, there's no quote for 39. There, there, there's no differential for 39. There's no premium for 39. Uh, obviously, premium for 39. There's no premium for 40. There's no premium for 41. Uh, so we, growers are losing the potential premiums. And actually, on the spot market differences, there are no quotations any higher than a 38 staple length. Uh, and generally, a 37 and a 38 are paid this, at the same premium rate. So you can argue uh, somewhat successfully, not totally, but there's there's no premium above a 37 staple length. And yet we're seeing growers routinely bring in 38s, 39s. And as I say, this year we're getting 40s in there. Uh, so, so that premium is not reaching; it's not finding a home to the grower. 
now, if I'm a merchant and I'm not one, I've never been qualified to be one, not smart enough to be one. But uh, the old the old farmer comment is, well, you're not going to pay me any more than you have to. And if USDA is not quoting something higher than a 39 or a 40, uh, then uh, or a 38, then 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 the merchant's not going to pay it now. And I don't blame the merchant. I'm going to do the exact same thing. But then again, we've got co-ops out there that, uh, while everything is set up on the pool system, there's some non-pool cotton that moves through co-ops, and their routine is basically to to try to buy that, where they buy it off the seam or they buy it in the spot market, because the co-ops uh, typically can, can say, yes, we can find a premium for that cotton for those longer staple lengths. Uh, so that provides some competition, and 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 and, and the co-op buyers, I see them going around. Uh, you know, it's it's not it's, it's not uh, free of magic. You see them going around searching recaps from growers that have 39s and 40s. So that tells me immediately uh, that there is a premium being offered in the marketplace for 39s and 40s. Uh, but yet you, we can't get a quotation on that from USDA spot quotations because merchants are not quoting it. Now, at the same time, as I've indicated, USDA is is, is kind of hand-tied, and, and merchants as well. The spot quotations have to come off of recaps or something traded on the scene, for example. But recaps, and you can't have five bales, ten bales, or something like that. You have to have a full recap, which may be 100 bales, maybe two, three, four hundred bales. It may be uh, just 80 or 90 bales, but the USDA is going to have to see the full recap. They're going to have to see all the premiums uh, that were paid by the by the merchant. They're going to, have to see all the discounts, and they'll then they'll average those together. So frequently, we have looked at spot quotations as a price that the merchant is paying the grower, or vice versa, the price that the grower is accepting from the merchant. But that's not necessarily the case either. Maybe we understand the A index better. The A index has so often been quoted for Liverpool. Basically, is an is is, is a, a average, a guesstimate by the Liverpool Association as to what cotton is trading for. Well, the spot quotations are are really nothing more than an estimate, a very highly educated estimate coming from USDA as to what U.S. cotton is being trading traded. For on various uh, spot markets, the cash markets. Uh, but the bottom line comes back to be is that since there are no differences in the loan schedule for 38s, 39s, 40s, or above in staple length, uh, uh, with with respect to the, the southwest, the west, uh, the east, excuse me, with respect to the southwest, the uh, the southeast, the south central, mid south. Uh, uh, no, no, no premium for 38s, 39s, and 40s there. Uh, then there's nothing for USDA to quote, uh, and so much of the cotton is traded now either by co-ops or by the seam. There are very few quotations that USDA can actually use, so they're limited in in, in their data support, their data supply for what they can get. And the grower, the premium for the 38s, the 39s, the 40s, staple length just slips through the crack. So routinely, as seed varieties improve, we have to have cotton groups get together, marketing groups get together and say, hey, Mr. USDA, hey, Mr. Merchant, hey, Mr. Co-op, we're not getting these premiums back to the grower. They're paying the seed company a premium price for the seed, for the genetics that they're now buying, 
it's time to deliver this premium back to the grower. So that's what this issue is all about. And again, we're not throwing stones anywhere. We're just trying to bring the industry conversation to the point that it's time to elevate the premiums that uh, that truly the marketplace will that will reflect as to what the merchant, no, excuse me, as to what the textile mill will pay for uh, for, for 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 good good strength, good length cotton. Right, right. You know, away. In the middle of this interview, we've had a phone call on your end, and I'm over here fiddling with a mic and knocking it over. But, but we can totally. Uh, uh, you're coming through loud and clear. I understand you. You know, you mentioned these growers are really paying. You know, they're paying a premium for this cotton because it can do such wonderful things with quality. Not only are they doing that, they're managing for quality this year, and they're doing that because. People like merchants and like, uh, you know, our magazine in particular has told them all year long, we've been looking at a stagnant in the 60s market all year long, so what can they do? They can control their fiber quality. They can set their defoliation schedules to maximize quality. They can water, to uh, you know, at various times to maximize quality. So they have been living on this promise that quality could provide a, you know, a, a margin for them in a very tough year that could make a big difference it only seems fair that they are paid for that uh, goal that they set and then hit, right? Exactly, and as we indicated, that we do see mills paying for this, but it, it, we don't get enough enough data, enough information to get a good feel for it. So we're just trying to search for the additional data so the grower will, in fact, uh, have a better better place to begin making his argument that we get, we should get this this payment, and it's there. I see. I got gotcha. you. Well, OA, we are coming up on about 15 minutes or 15 seconds left, rather, in our audio uh, recording system here. So I want to say thank you for joining us, and I will be in touch with you soon, sir. Thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you all. All right. Cotton Grower Magazine has the honor of saluting exceptional sacrifice and contribution to the cotton industry through our annual Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award. Since 1970, Cotton Grower has handed out this distinguished honor to one individual who demonstrates tireless dedication to the cotton industry through involvement, innovation, and leadership in those issues that have a large impact on U.S. cotton as a whole. Achievement Award winners are chosen after extensive research and thoughtful input from around the industry. Cotton Grower offers sincere gratitude to Case IH and to Delta Pine for sponsoring the Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award. In joining the effort to recognize and honor industry leaders, these companies demonstrate their devotion to the cotton industry and their desire to see growers succeed. So, all right, that will just about do it for this installment of the Cotton Companion podcast. Uh, we want to thank OA, Dr. O.A. Cleveland for joining us at always, as always. He is always very gracious with his time when we ask him to, uh, to provide his insight for us. So we, we do wish to thank him. For you, we also want to thank you, of course. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, by all means, please spread the word about us. Tell your farmer friends about the Cotton Companion podcast. They can find us by going to cottongrower.com and searching for Cotton Companion or by subscribing to our channel on iTunes. Another great way to be sure you receive each installment of the Cotton Companion is to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. You guys should be uh, wanting to get in on that anyhow. It's a great source of industry news once a week. We don't clog your inbox. 
uh, again, a great spot to find out what's going on in the world around you. You can do that very easily. Simply go to www.cottongrower.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you'll find a link there to subscribe to the e-newsletter. It's not difficult to find. Um, if you are listening to us on iTunes, please go ahead and subscribe to our channel and leave us a rating to let us know what you think of the pod. Uh, also, be sure to follow us on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by simply searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. You can find our latest issue, the October Product Guide, is a special issue, hitting your mailboxes by the second and third weeks of October. And uh, we hope you'll like it. We hope that you will support the businesses who continue to support this industry in the face of a down market year, in the face of, you know, acreage that isn't as high as it once was. And these are the companies who are sticking by your side. So we hope that you will, uh, you know, give them a give them a thought the next time you're in a market for any ag products. This podcast is produced by Mark Antonelli, who works there at the Mothership, Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Beck Barnes, and I'll be back with you in two weeks on the next edition of the Cotton Companion. For now, on behalf of myself and my own Cotton Companion, Jim Stedman, we urge you to have happy harvesting and best of luck to you as you are headed to the gin this year. <laughs>